Welcome to Questions We're Afraid to Ask. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. So this is a question that we've been thinking about and talking about for a little while. Um, The education system in America, when did it implode and why does it suck now? And what can we do to fix it? I mean, at scale is the first problem. I mean, addressing the first problem, managing anything at scale gets out yes. of control very quickly. So that's however, however, there, there was yes. a period at scale where it was working much better than it's working now. And first off, why do we have any ability to have opinions on this topic besides the fact that we're just opinionated and we have opinions? I come from a family that both my my mother and my father worked for the school system. We were very good friends with lots of teachers. My mother was a teacher's aide uh, for a large part of her career. My father worked for the maintenance department. But again, we knew all the friends and family were teachers, so I was surrounded by it growing up. Um, Some of our best family friends are still teachers. Some of them are principals now. Um, I was married to a teacher for um, 19 years uh, who taught high school elementary and bilingual classes. So, and then of course I've gone through the school system. I watched it change significantly during my specific life. And I have a 18 year old who was a special needs student who just graduated high school. And I have an eight year old who's still in elementary. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I mean, and I, so I grew up with my mom was a teacher. Uh, She taught, in all at the private schools that I went to, that's how I got to go. She taught there, mm-hmm. so I got half tuition, uh, I think. Um, Reduced, so she taught at least kindergarten, pre-K. Mm-hmm. Um, I know she was a teacher before. She she went and taught in inner city schools right out of college because Texas had a program. I think it paid for all her student debt, so she did that for three or four or five years, something like that. Um, and so she went and taught in inner city Houston and did that. And like, I don't know what age group that was, but when I remember it was kindergarten, first grade, once I went to high school, she went into another school and went back to public school and taught in first and second grade, I think as well. Then my wife is a teacher. And so she's taught in, in, in pre-K, uh, for forever. Um, and then private and public both, uh, yes, both private and public. And then we've got a lot of teachers in the family, and 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 I, I've sort of always sort of been in it, done a lot of education stuff with kids over the summer and programs and things like that. And then you know we I I work in a job where I educate adults now, so sort of teaching yeah. is a thing that that we do. We, even we both though it's train people students, for a living, right? Not we, to, we both, sorry, not to children. Yeah, no. we both train people for a living, and I've taught you know a, you know adult Sunday school classes. We we yeah. both studied adult learning styles, and I studied an adult, and with my master's program, I had to study a lot of that stuff. Um, so we're not coming out of nowhere with some of these opinions. Um, and also, my, my former mother-in-law was also a teacher, and I saw some interesting things that happened toward the end of the career. Um, and this is no fault of her. I don't blame her for this in any way, shape, or form. But she had, I'll start with this, she had left teaching, and she was an elementary teacher. She had left teaching because she just she'd been doing it for 20 years or almost 20 years and she was burnt out. And so she decided to go into real estate for a couple of years, which a lot of teachers seem to like do that and then come back. 
and then she wanted to come back to finish out the two or three years. <clears throat> and I don't know that for sure. It just feels that way. Uh, she needed to finish out like three years. And so mm. she went back to the principal that she'd worked at, who she was best friends with, and said, hey, I want to come back. And, and they said, well, you know, we don't have an open spot, but we'll make you the tech specialist for the like five elementaries or the 10 elementaries, and you can be our mm -hmm. tech person. And nothing against my mother-in-law, but she could barely turn on a computer. And she was now their legit tech support for like 10 schools and mm -hmm. at one of the big central Texas school systems with zero qualifications as like a, okay, cool. This will be easy. And, and you know, she used to blow my phone up because I worked in tech support back then. You know, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? It's like, I, I'm not, I can't help you. I'm at work. You know, that <laughs> it would, it was a, a lot of that kind of stuff where on the weekends it would always be, Hey, could you come to the school and help me out do this? And a lot of times I would go give them a hand because, you know, and, and that is a big problem in schools. How much free labor is the school system depending on, right? Yeah. Uh, how many times well, have I mean, you let's, cleaned let's your just... wife's classroom out for her? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I go beyond that. How many times have I helped my mother do that? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's countless times. I mean, let, let – so there's a million things we can get at about this and, and you know, teachers and, and compensation and pay is a big thing that we need to talk about. But I, I think I, I really want to sort of come back to this. And I didn't mention I, I also have two kids in school. Yeah. Um, mine are mine. One are, of which uh, is special going, needs. Going into fifth grade and going into seventh grade. And my seventh grader, he has dyslexia. He has aphantasia like I do as well, though not as bad. We can talk about that on another episode, yeah. but I found out and, it's not as bad as mine. Huh. But 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 so we've had to go through and 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 make sure that he gets the the help that he needs. Mm -hmm. But so just wanted to wanted to cover that. But I think where I sort of want to focus is you know we've been sort of kicking this idea around for a long time about like you know the four pillars of education and what what's important in this and, mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Of and I think the big thing that that I've been thinking on the most is how we're not taking care of the boys the way we need to. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of aggression that happens in boys and we've essentially put them into a situation where they don't get to, they're not allowed to, to let yeah, that and out. And I think that's a let's big talk about that a little of a lot of things. Let's talk. And, it, and it's not, and I do want to say, it's not just boys. Girls just approach it in a slightly different way. Generally so speaking. Yeah, boys are usually physical. Speaking. Girls are different. Although yeah. I've seen some, I've seen some cat fights that are, it, it ooh, buddy. You know, yes. uh, the boys' fights are more often. The cat fights are a lot nastier, is what my experience has been. And and <sighs> boy fights are typically resolve an issue. Well, they were. Whereas they used to. Yes. Yeah, and so I want to start with that because again, I'm five years older. I entered the school system five years before you did, and the difference that five years made was mm -hmm. drastic. Because when I started school, corporal punishment was assumed and did not require parental consent. Um, now, it wasn't bad. It was like – and it was mostly elementary at that point, but it was SWATs. You know, that was the – and the, the other part of that was there were set, understood, known discipline consequences for inappropriate actions – that we all knew going in, and we were told mm -hmm. fairly early on, is this is not like the rules. If you do this, this happens. If you do this, this happens. 
and you know for every infraction uh, or relatively serious infraction my parents would have been told and i was more terrified of that than i was of right. anything that would have happened at school which is why i didn't get in a lot of trouble at school especially when i was younger but the big thing was the bullying right when i was in elementary school if a fight started on the playground it was usually over in a couple of moments you know they weren't long fights and it was settled and the teachers would just break it up right and if someone was bleeding then they would like take them in and like who threw the first punch right, right. that person's in trouble usually usually now they would uh, they would also ask a follow up question why did you punch them mm-hmm. well and sometimes the answer was they called my mom a hoe well and then, and i have seen the principal do something that would never happen today where they looked at the kid and go you got what you deserved yeah you insulted their yeah. mom and they knocked you on your ass yeah and sometimes and, that and, happens. And, and and you know what? In the real world, if you mouth off to somebody, somebody will probably pop you. You know? Yeah. Uh, but then it was done. Um, and then right. there was the argue, 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 fight, best friends situation. Yeah. And Definitely. that is natural. You look at most cultures, boys tussle. They roughhouse. Yeah. They fight. That's a thing. We have testosterone. It drives us to do this. It it and it's not just humans. It happens across, you know, our closest cousins yeah. and even further out. You know, you look at yeah. dogs fight when they're puppies and they learn to do it. Chimpanzees do it. Apes Deer. do it. Deer, Deer do it. Do it. Yeah. You know, and it's it. It is it there... is unnatural to no. force. No confrontation, much less physical confrontation. This idea that right. we should all just sit down at seven years old and talk out our problems is a modern social construct that we are not genetically hardwired for. Right. Well, and I, I think there are some other things to take into account as well. Um so I'm I'm reading a book called Supernormal Super Supernormal Stimuli right now, and mm-hmm. and she's talking about in this book about a million different things. She happens to be talking about how um, it's so random, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, see where I'm going about women starting their periods earlier, younger and younger mm-hmm. and younger. That it used to be like you know when you go back twenty thousand years, it was like eighteen, and mm. now it's like no, actually, I, you, I would they. Sh- Okay. I'm not going to challenge her numbers. I'm just going to quote what she's saying. Fair enough. You're quoting the book. You're quoting the book. So she was saying that it was it was significantly older, 17 and 18. Again, 20,000 years ago, well before we have any records, and that as we have started to domesticate animals and become more civilized, we've changed the foods that we're taking in, and now we're taking in significantly more hormones and all sorts of other things. And so you're seeing girls, some girls, rare cases, are starting their periods at eight and nine and 10 years old now it's actually happening yeah. significantly earlier which is so way you, earlier you, than what i was thinking if um, you look at that number when you're thinking about girls now let's flip that over to the boys if they're starting their stuff earlier well there's a reason why those 11 and 12 year old boys are trying to kill each other now yeah. it's because 
they're they're hopped up on on testosterone like we were when we were 17 16 and 17 yeah and you know maybe it's not that maybe it's maybe it's that's a part of it i think that goes into it too yeah um but there's also this pressure cooker aspect of it Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about this rash of super violent extremisms like somebody who goes in and shoots up a school i remember the first time that happened I mean, I was in school when Columbine happened, right? Yeah. But as I went through this school process, every year the rules got, well, fight, stricter on fighting, stricter on this. The corporal punishments went away. And, and they began to peel away a lot of things, including our time outside as, mm-hmm. a, as recess. Recess used to be like 45 minutes, and I think it's now down to like 20 um, and phys ed, you know, PE in the elementary was an hour of us moving and running nonstop, mm-hmm. which required yeah. us to do push-ups and sit-ups and all this other stuff, you know? And <clears throat> so there was almost two hours in the school day yeah. that I was going nonstop until I got into junior high, right? And I am a firm believer in the rise of ADD and the rise of a lot of these inability to sit still and pay attention conditions, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better way to put it, is that these kids need to move. They need to run. They need to play. They need to do things. And we're in the summertime. I can't make my eight-year-old sit still for an hour. How is he supposed to sit still for an hour in school? Exactly. Well, when I was in high school – when I was in high school, I did a science fair project mm-hmm. testing exercise effects on ADD. I was in the midst of figuring out my own ADD. It was a really easy, it was simple project. And I realized like, hey, if you exercise before you have to do work and you have ADD, it's actually substantially more helpful. And so like – and then – and you can look up a million studies now that all say the exact same thing. But it's, mm-hmm. it's something that we all know. And that's – this. Let's, let's take a pause, time out for a second on this and shift over. We know some really important things about children and how they learn, and we completely ignore them. We know yes. they need exercise to, to work, and we know they need to not start school at 8 o'clock in the morning, especially high schoolers. And we just completely ignore this because – the school system is only there to watch our children while we go to work. Yeah, it is a babysitting institution now instead of a learning institution. By and large, I am a firm believer in that now. And, and I, don't, and I, I don't, don't say that to disparage the people who go to teach because no, I'm going to no be way. very clear about this. I have some of my closest friends who are teachers. You could not pay me enough money to teach Mm-mm. some of these kids. Because the first time one of them mouthed off to me, the way they've mouthed off to some of my friends, I'd probably slap them across the face, and then yeah. I'd go to jail, and that would be bad. Well, no, and I, I, and, I and, just spent last week. I just spent last week teaching, just doing games with kids at VBS with uh-huh. three different age groups, and just at the end of that like hour that I'm doing that. I want to die. Like, I'm just like, it is just so stressful. They don't listen and they don't, they're crazy. And and it's fine. And I love working with kids and it's great. I couldn't do that eight hours a day all day as a professional. It's not something that I could do. And I I think, 
I think the the big thing here is that we need to reframe what we're wanting from our education system. That's and a huge part of it. I think a big thing we need to think about is one. And as much as I don't want kids to spend more time at school, like in that idea, they need to be there all day. They need to be there a longer period of time, and we need to add in a full hour for them to sit and eat and talk with their friends and they need to have time to you know, exercise uh, in the morning and like and i'm gonna throw something else out there that stuff. i think we should do there is a tradition in south america and central america we're in the middle of the day everybody shuts everything down they take an hour to an hour and a half nap yeah the siesta right and knowing my, my high schooler, one of the things he fought through was just a massive energy drop in the middle of the day, mm -hmm. right? And so why not let all the high schoolers that we know are exhausted, and a lot of them are working after school and all the other things that are going on, take a nap. Give an hour. You know, why not? I would have loved that because, you know, one of the things I struggled with I, when I started high school, it started at 6.30 in the morning, and I was done by 2.30, right? Yeah. I fell asleep almost every first period to the point where after my freshman year or after my sophomore year, I arranged, because I had hurt my knee, I arranged to work with the athletic department uh, and do all, a lot of their videoing and filming and stuff. So I had that class first, which had nothing to do. So I would come in and literally take a nap on the couch for the yeah. first hour. And I did so much better. Um, with that extra hour of sleep. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there's a million. I mean, don't even get me started on sleep. We used to sleep way longer, and people yeah. would wake up in the middle of the night and do things. And you know, there, I mean, there's a million things on that. But but I, I want to sleep is sleep is one of those things that like we we know children we know children need to be sleep more and and not have to get up so early to go to school. Yes. The other thing, and you said you said it is we get off at two thirty. It feels like that's like no one's off at two thirty. The only people who are done at two thirty are people who have money and don't have to, or don't have a, a spouse that makes money and don't have to work. Or they, or they work in the school system for little or, or nothing. Or they work in the school system. Because so I wouldn't very, I wouldn't leave school at two thirty. I'd have to wait until my mom was done working. Yeah, at four thirty. So I, you know, I effectively had like a two hour study hall. But they did that so we can – this is Texas. They did that so they could have a longer football program and do practice longer right. and, 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 you know, uh, that kind of stuff. But I want to get back to a, kind of my initial point. We saw an erosion I, – I saw an erosion of discipline. And by the time well, I had graduated me... high school, it had almost gone away. And I'll give – and with that, we also see a loss of respect for the teachers. It's a twofold thing. And here, and I'm going to give you an example. I talked to a friend of mine, and I'm not going to say what school district it was, but I talked to a friend of mine, and this past year, this person had a student in their class who had been problematic throughout most of the year and was kind of like the, the ringleader for the other four or five really bad kids in that class. They mouthed off in a way that would start a fight anywhere, right, directly to the teacher. The teacher tried to discipline them, 
by writing them up, and they, they straight up said, look, you do this, I'm going to come to school tomorrow, and I'm going to shoot you, and I'm going to shoot up the rest of the people in this building. So we're worried about school shootings, right? This is a problem. People are screaming, take, take civil rights away, and all this kind of stuff about this. Direct threat to the teacher in front of the entire class. Writes the student up, sends them to the office, and the office is, office is yeah, we're not going to do anything about it. We just don't believe him. Teacher has to go to the office and say, look, you can't let him back in the class. If you let him back into my classroom, I will absolutely lose, lose control of all of these because they already think y'all are a joke. They already think they can get away with murder. And now they've threatened murder on a mass scale, and you don't want to do anything about it. They yeah. weren't going to do anything about it until they threatened to quit and go to the paper that day. And all they did to the student was move the student to another class. Yeah. So a school well, shooting I mean, threat, and they just moved them to a new classroom. Yay. I, Come on, there's, man. There's, there's two sides to this. Because, all right, so let's take it, let's take it back two steps. One, I was at the beginning of that that be, that change because mm -hmm. I when I was in you got caught on the fifth wave. grade six no it was before that it must have been fourth grade I got in a fight with a kid at school I, mm -hmm. I I I was we were beginning of the morning I was standing outside on the deck out in front of the portables and some kid walked up and just punched me in the back of the head wholly and completely unprovoked. And so I turned around and hit him back and we had a scuffle and 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 I we both got take, taken to the office and we both got in trouble. And I sat in the office as a as a fourth grader just befuddled by the fact that somehow I was in trouble for getting punched in the head. And it it, it, it never It made didn't make sense, sense to, to you. It, and so, you know, they ended up having – we had to do a day of in-school suspension and a day at home suspension. I remember my dad being like, did you start the fight? No. Well, all right. Then I don't give a crap. Like, it, you know. But uh -huh. but I, I even remember at that point, like, sort of the injustice of that, of like, hang on a minute. Like, how does this make any sense? Like, why am I in trouble? Because because I didn't just let him punch me again? Like, and, and so – They teach kids now to just curl up in a fetal position and yeah, let them beat and so, you. Which is not natural. No. Well, I mean, I was just listening to uh, um, Brendan Mulligan talking about a story on a podcast where he was sort of like, someone got in my face, and then I looked over, and my fist was moving. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't want to punch this guy. And he's like, because it's fight or flight. It's not yeah. like... It's not like you get to decide. Lizard like, brain takes over. Something in your in your in the back of your brain just goes, <clears throat> "Oh no, you're going to beat this guy's ass now." And you're like, "Oh, yeah. yes, I am." You know, and it just sort of happens. Yes, um, that's why they call it a remember, fight or flight response, right? I don't remember making the decision of like, "Oh, I'm going to punch this guy." I just turned around and did it. Like it what, you know. And see, so, mine was a little different cuz I had scuffles all in elementary and all that and it was never an issue. But by the time I got to junior high, like 7th grade, I was one of the smaller kids, and the no-fight rules for whatever had kicked in. <clears throat> and I had, I had a bully that I was trying to deal with. And, my, my, of course, my parents were very different. My dad was like, just knock him on his ass, right? And we'll figure it out from there. And my mom's like, you should talk this through. And the guy lived, like, 
the street next to mine. So we had known each other for years, and he didn't like me, and I didn't like him. And normally we didn't mess with each other, but the and here's the issue, and it may seem small. It was he started, you know, walking and and walking by me, and he'd call me a faggot, and I was like, dude, quit, just leave me alone, just whatever. And I was blowing him off, but then it moved from that to shoulder blocking me into the locker every day. And I, I even went to the teacher. I was like, hey, this happened. He's like, ah, it's a crowded hallway. He didn't mean to. Yeah. And it went on for six or six or eight weeks, and it got more and more. I was like, dude, you need to stop. Yeah. And finally, the guy's like, what are you going to do about it? You know, and, and shoved me, shoved me. And, you know, he had a good, he had a good, like, six or eight inches on me height-wise, and he outweighed me by at least 20, maybe 30 pounds. And my parents and my grandfather taught me one thing. If you're going to fight, fight dirty, right? Just, you know, there's no such thing as a fair fight is how they would teach. Right. There's no such thing as Absolutely. a fair fight. And if you got in, and my dad had a Marine buddy who, uh, or an Army buddy who did a, was in Vietnam for quite a while, who said, if you've ever find yourself in a fair fight, you've done something wrong, right? And so I took that to heart. And the kid got off the bus one stop before me with one of his cronies that he was harassing me with, who also lived on the street behind me. And so I knew if I fought on school property or on the bus, I would get in trouble, right? So I just got off the bus right behind him, and he didn't notice, and I ran up and grabbed him by, because all the backpacks had the little thing, right? Ran up and grabbed him by the big heavy backpack and ran him headfirst into a tree. And then when he hit the ground, I kicked him until he started screaming and calling for his mama and pissing his pants. And I remember the bus driver stopping and running out going, you've got to stop. And I actually remember stopping and looking at the bus driver going, I'm not on school property. You can't do a damn thing. Yeah. Right. Now, I had gone to the teachers and told them my parents had talked to his parents and they had done nothing about it except, you know, tell – Tell them, you know, you're raising, raising a, a, a crying wimp or whatever. And then that I, I went home and I told my parents what happened after I kicked the crap out of the kid. And I told them, I said, this is your one warning. Next time I'll hurt you, right? Yeah. I think I hurt him, but, you know, I, whatever. He was in school the next day and he had no visible bruises, you know. Uh, but you know, I kicked him in the gut four or five times. I'm not talking like a beat down, like you see, whatever the kid's dad had the gall to show up an hour later and knock on my parents' door and, you know, say, you, you've got to control your kid. And my dad was like, look, I told you weeks ago, more than once that your kid is harassing my kid. Mm Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, yeah, and your kid kicked the crap out of mine. He said, yeah, because I told him to. Do I need to kick the crap out of you, or are you going to get off my property? And you know what? After that, it was settled. It was never an issue again. He didn't harass me. I didn't get bullied by anybody else. You know, because it had started to spread. It had started to spread. assault charges if that had happened Yeah, now I would have been thrown in jail. But – and, and, you know, take it back a little bit further. When my dad was in high school, which was the 60s and the 70s, you know, mostly the 70s, if the kids had a beef, they would actually take the kids 
to the boxing ring they had in the gym, or if they didn't have the, the ring, they'd put the boxing gloves and the head pad on, and they'd have the kids go at it for 10 minutes. Yeah. And then the, they would tell them, I don't ever want to hear about this again. Yeah. It was settled. Yeah. And that's and, human and I, nature. We've gotten away from that, and there's there's definitely something to be said about a lot of these things. I mean, I think I think what we're doing with kids right now, and and I know you know is is so unnatural for them. Go into a in go inside and sit in a room and sit in a chair and don't move and don't talk and listen only listen, and you know and and pay attention to what I'm talking about and all these kind of things. Write on and a so, standardized test and yeah and, 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 and read this text whether you know how to read or not or do this or do this worksheet or do it in this frame. One learning I style. Think, exactly. I think that's I think that's what we're getting we, we've gotten away from because I I mean I know. You know, education started with essentially getting people to be able to read for the Bible, you know, 1700s, 1800s. That was sort of the beginning. The Gutenberg of, kind of gave literature to the people with, with the printing press and semi-affordable books. And you're right. right. People learned and, to buy, read and the Bible so the because first, if they were going to buy a book, that was the book they would buy. So the first Latin grammar school was 1635 in in um boston and then harvard was 1636 after that yeah but that's latin so that's sort of well no, so no what, but that was that was that was sort of the first education grammar school it was oh, the, okay, what, okay. the first sorry, grammar sorry, school i misunderstood um and then and then really so that what really pushed education was compulsory education acts being passed in a lot of states that was requiring children to go to school a public education system. A pub, yeah. And that sort of started the public education system. And then there was a, an act in 1862 that got some land-grant privileges. But, I mean, I really think, you know, and you can get into the whole, um, you know, what did the robber barons and the industrial tycoons have to do with the, the education? I mean, that's yeah. a whole you – know, That's a whole different – yeah, go down. we can go down but, that. But what did they but, teach I mean, I, back then? Like what was the focus of the education? It, it was – It started with reading – Reading, writing, and, writing, and arithmetic. arithmetic. So, yeah. so the ability to read and write because you got to know how to read the the manual to do the thing, right? The ability to write down basic information because if you're going to clerk or do anything like that, the ability mm -hmm. to do something besides make your mark was huge, and basic mathematics, right? Right. Those three things: if you read, you write, and you do math. And then we grew that into a vocational system and a science oriented system in the forties, fifties of the post World War II. Again, I'm gonna come back to World War II like I always do. It's such a landmark moment. But yeah. all of those GIs who may not have been able to read all that well or write all that well, I mean that was yeah. there was schooling that happened when they went through basic and stuff. They had to learn how mm -hmm. to do that. So yeah. um we we taught a massive amount of workforce not not that's just the enlisted people not even to count yeah. all the people who had to come into the the workforce to to pick up the slack but then after that we saw advances in science mm -hmm. um advances in in chemistry and physics and there was a lot of focus on that but there was also a massive focus on the vocational aspects in school i'm going to say something crazy that's slightly off topic Okay, but 
but I heard this the other day when someone was talking about the rise of technology and, and everything post-World War II being that it's all post-Roswell. And just, just throwing out the idea, I wonder if we're attributing the rise of technology to the GIs going to college and they're just correlated and they're not actually they're, – they're just causally both happening at the same time and have nothing to do with each other. So I, don't, I would, I'm just I would let's let's just say we got a ship at Roswell. We'll just you know for for yeah. the thought experiment. That is a huge. That would be a huge advancement in technology. However, right. the ability to now go to university, the ability to get that paid for by the GI bills and stuff, right. and that kind of stuff led to education. For people who never would have been able to do it. And I'll give you an example. My grandfather, my mom's dad, was raised on a dirt dirt farm. And for those who don't know what that is, it's a barely scraping by farm or ranch. This is what we call a dirt farm because there's not enough water in Texas. And went, you know, made it through his basic schooling. Then he enlisted. And I don't know how he survived it, but... He was a B-17 tail gunner and engineer, so he was either in the top <laughs> turret or the back turret. You know, Most of the time he was in the back turret. Had three B-17s shot out from under him. Uh, one time they water landed and skid into one of the beaches off of England. Um, one time they parachuted out uh, behind Allied lines. And the third time... They parachuted behind enemy lines, and they had almost made it, almost made it to Switzerland. But to get to Switzerland, this is a whole thing we could go into. To get to Switzerland, they had to get through a group of Nazis who were between them. There was like 20-some-odd Nazis between them and the border. They only had like two miles to go, but it was Hitler Youth, and they could not bring themselves to shoot 12- and 13-year-olds. So they surrendered. And he spent the last, like, year and a half of the war in a prison camp. Wow. Yeah. Out of that, he came out and he went to university, paid for by the GI Bill. He spent some time going to seminary and then turned that into a career as a teacher. He taught a couple of different things, but one of the things he taught was shop, was volunteer <laughs> fireman. I found out recently he was a part-time uh, constable. For Harris County, which I had no idea about. He was either constable or sheriff for the Harris County. But he did a bunch of stuff that he never would have been able to do if it hadn't been for right. the government footing the bill to get him through college. No, um, I, I wasn't and, I and, wasn't saying that. But yeah. but what what I was getting at is the stuff that he learned right. was was a lot. But what's fascinating is the physics he studied in his master's program that he went through the same physics that was in my high school textbook and it wasn't even an AP physics class. Yeah. So we've, we've been adding more and more and more and more and more harder stuff to we have. the academic side of things. But he made a living and this is the point I want to make. He made a living as a shop teacher. Right. The shop is gone for yeah. the most part. The vocation. Some of them are coming back. I've seen some resurgence of it. But by and large, I mean, I can remember when I was, it was when I was young, my dad, when he needed work done on his car, he'd take it to the auto shop and buy the parts, and then the kids would fix it for free. 
he'd have to pay for yeah. the parts. But that's the only way my parents, making not a lot of money, kept their cars running, was the shop class was good enough at high school and to had a full garage in it with the lift to rebuild any car. And that's what they would do. They would just rebuild cars for people who worked for the school system who needed the cars fixed. And you just paid for the parts. Show me a high school now that's got an auto shop with a lift in it. Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested if there's a high school that's got an auto shop. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple, but there can't be that many of them. Well, I, I, it was Cypher High School, and I noticed the Cypher High School has remodeled, and their auto shop is not there anymore. It was yeah. by the time I well, my brother and I got to high school, it was gone. Yeah. I mean that that there has been a and I, I think what's there has been a shift from general education to higher education. Yes. As the country has shifted into a more technological time period where Well there was that, the lie. We, the Gen X lie. There was that as well. And okay, so what do I mean by the Gen X lie? You have to go to college to be successful, and skilled labor jobs mean you're not good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what what you're looking at at that is that, I mean, that's what I was told. I was told you had to go to school because that was, you know, my parents did it and my grandparents did it, and that's sort of what, just what was expected. And I also went to a, you know, college prep private school my kids who go to a charter school theirs is still college prep as well and i think most schools call themselves college prep like that's mm-hmm. the goal is it's basically the main lesson now you know right. there's that's and so that's it it's you're college bound because you've got to be because we've got to feed the college machine right and we and we've removed a lot of things i mean i didn't even get this stuff when i was in school but like and maybe I don't remember it. It's just something that didn't stick. But, like, I don't remember doing personal finances. I don't remember talking about how to open a bank account and move money and deal with those sorts of things. So but but beyond took... that, like, it's it's also, like, because we removed that, we don't have – and we and we don't have shop anymore. So people don't know how to work on their own cars and we don't have – we don't so what know used how to, to be home ec. in our houses. And, teach, yeah, home ec. Yeah, teach you how to cook. Uh, so – um, a lot of these skills that I've had to learn since I left school mm-hmm. that I never did. Now, I do remember taking a a semester-long economics class, and I think they spent like a day on balancing a checkbook. Was that in high school? It was in high school. And maybe maybe two days on balancing a checkbook, but that was I mean, I'm it. sure we did as well, but it was and, but, I mean, but I most of it was macroeconomics, and... not micro that I needed. It was mostly the how the big stuff works. And as a high schooler, I don't need a, I don't need to know how the stock market works. I need yeah. to know how to make a budget, pay my bills, and I, you know the fact that taxes are going to come out of my paycheck. I didn't yeah. learn that. I mean, I knew it because my, my parents told me. But I didn't really find that out until I went and got a paycheck, and I went, "Where's yeah. my money?" Yeah, you know, absolutely. Wh- what's this? What's this FICA thing and all this other stuff? And, right. Yeah. And, Who yeah. is FICA? And why does he get yeah. all my money? money. Exactly. Um, but a lot of that is gone. The ability to be a homemaker, whether you're male or female, and learn any of that in school is gone. Basic DIY skills are gone. Right. Um, well, all and, all it is is a place to go and have information crammed into your brain, and that's all that it is now. And, and I think what we need to be looking at is 
reframing this into a more holistic experience where like, okay. Cause I mean, think about, I, I, and I, I mean, I think this is true for schools as well, but like how many businesses in China start their morning with everybody does some exercise. Like I think it's more before Japan. we start work, is it Japan? It's I'm Japan sorry, because I'm thinking, I'm remembering the Michael Keaton movie where they make the cars and that's yeah. the Japanese car. It is the ca- Japanese. So, but, but yes, like that's, Everybody before can work. come to work yeah. and let's all get our heart rate going and get rip, all right. Everybody's pumped up and ready to go. Let's all go off to work and I mean, yeah. talk about a great group activity. But like the kids come to school in the morning and the first thing you do is sit them in a the chair. Not the first thing you should make them take a run. Like let them out, go out and play. And you know, you know. Now, them- I will say that the one one of the good things that I think the school system here has done is they have figured out a way to leverage every kid's going to get a meal for breakfast. And every yes. kid's going to get a meal for lunch. They, and, and I think some of this came out of COVID, but I'm not 100% sure. But the school district I'm at right now, my kid has lunch every day and they have breakfast every day. And I don't have to pay for it. My taxes are paying for it, right? Yeah. And and it's balanced and it's healthy and it's good and it's not ketchup is your vegetable like they tried to do with the Reagans, uh, you know. Um, but some food, because I do know in this – community I live in, those two meals may be the only two meals some of these kids get, yeah. right, a day. And they do it well, for some kids over the summertime. Schools should be going out to – I mean, I, I'm going to – I think schools should go – should be – cover the work hours of the parents, and I think it should go all year. But I also think that there should be huge breaks. I think there should be breaks where people – can take off with their kids and, and go away and it's built into work schedules. Like they're, they're, yeah, we're getting to do a whole lot of stuff that would be awesome. Integrated doesn't make any sense to no, me. It doesn't, we know but... that everyone who works in a company's kids go to school. So why aren't y'all talking to each other? Like yeah, why and, is and there this wall? There's, there's massive bureaucracy involved. This may piss some people off, but there's teachers unions involved who are not out for the best of the school kids. They are out for what the teachers can get. And Again, I do not think teachers are compensated how they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, the school systems, like we've got the whole Robin Hood thing here in Texas. So we have school systems that are taxing people to bring in stuff to give half their budget or more to the state to then be redistributed in some other way to some other school system. Um, we also have a problem in uh, Texas specifically where, and I'm sure it's much more broad than Texas, in rural communities, the school district is the single largest employer in the town. So you, you've got to keep this machine going. It's a machine. It's got to keep churning it out. But I, I get back to respect and discipline. Without those two things, it's going to fail. And physical activity, I mean, that's another huge bit, I, I, I think. And then basic skills, right? Yeah. Let's not worry about college prep. Until everyone can read, everyone yeah. can write, and everyone well, can do basic math. And Let's so, just do that. And the, uh, here's an interesting idea. that uh, I'm sure you know the name Montessori, but yes, there's I'm another one as Montessori well. This name does not, does not pop into my head right now. But they approach the idea of like we're not going to worry about reading and writing until – second grade if they want to read great but it's not a push it's not a thing what we want to work on is social interaction and talking and interacting and playing and and learning how 
how a society works, how a community works. Like and that's, that's important. what's important. That's, a, that's an important skill. And, and a lot of people assume you're going to get it in preschool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they assume that that's where it's coming from. Now, my youngest, for a variety of reasons, didn't go to preschool. Basically didn't have the money because we were in the middle of a divorce and there was just no way to afford it because preschool ain't cheap, right? And I was too white and made too much money to qualify for the public preschool. So, and that's straight up what they told me. Said if I was any other demographic with what I made, my kid would have qualified for preschool because I was white and male and single. I didn't qualify. If I had been female, which, you know, I wasn't able to just claim female back then, so that that, that wasn't a thing. That uh, would have fixed that problem. That would have, that would have fixed that problem. But, it, you know, so... <laughs> He missed that, and then his first year of kindergarten, COVID, and it was mostly virtual, and even when they did go back to school, they got sent home like two days a week, so he was only really in school for a day or two or maybe three a week on average, Um, so he didn't get what he needed, and I remember getting into – I got into a big argument with my ex because I made him repeat kindergarten, held him back. And in Texas, you Mine can only too. in Texas you can only do that in first or kindergarten and first grade. Those are the only two that you can do it in. And other than this, otherwise, the school has to decide it, and the school never wants to decide it because it hurts their numbers yeah. and then they lose money. Um, but as part of this, he was showing massive signs of dyslexia and dysgraphia. He was flipping stuff. I had him test it, and he they they said he didn't have it even though I was convinced he did. Well, he went back to the second year of kindergarten, and I made them test immediately. I, I, I started on it day one because mm-hmm. it takes forever to get that done. And here's what's funny. He scored the same scores, and they said, because we have data to compare it to from last year, we now know that your son is dyslexic. Okay. So he was dyslexic, but because they didn't have previous data – they wouldn't put him in the in it. So he ended up going into the dyslexia program in kindergarten when they almost always get out of it because they don't have previous data, so they don't have right. to do it. Uh, and I can say the dyslexia program has helped him. He is reading better than I ever thought he would be able to. It's a thing for him. He's excited about it. We're doing street signs and road signs and all this stuff. He's reading everything, and it's kind of turned into a game for us. So yeah. Um, well, my my son's dyslexia is is pretty much gone at this point. Like he is, I don't think his was ever that bad. I think it was a lot. Of, I think it was his ADD as well was part of the problem. But like he got in, we got him the help he needed for second, third, fourth, fifth grade. I mean, and now he's just sort of like he can read. He can, for the longest time, he couldn't. He couldn't watch anything with subtitles because he just couldn't keep up. He couldn't keep up, and now, yeah. And now he can. And so I was like, okay, he's and, good and, then. If he can keep up with subtitles, he's doing great. And right? as someone with dysgraphia and having to fight for it, I was not going to make my kid fight for it. I was going to fight yeah. for him early because the earlier you can get on it, the better and sooner your brain adapts. Yeah. And you, you, you can, like your son, you can get to where you almost grow out of it if it's not – 
so horrendous yeah. that it's you know everything. Yeah, his he's got dysgraphia as well as I do too. Looking back now, looking at my handwriting and how I, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I totally have this. I didn't. No, we just thought I had bad handwriting. But he's I don't think that's ever going to get fixed for him or for me because everything's on keyboard now. Like you, who writes by hand? But, and, and you know what's enough, funny? Enough to teach yourself to, to get out of a, a thing. What's funny about that is is my dysgraphia almost doesn't exist for my typing because I took a typing class in seventh grade. And those neurons don't match my re- – like if I can't remember how to thing. spell something, I can type it and it gets a lot closer. And hmm, which is just fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm on a pad, pad and paper, I can't do nothing. And then I'll put my hands on the keyboard and it comes out. So that's weird. So we've kind of gone all over the place with this. Talking about that. I want to say something on that. My, I, earlier today I was talking to my mom and she, she said one of my teacher's names, she was looking through recipes and like, Oh, this is from Mrs. So-and-so. And I was like, Oh, first grade. And she goes, are you sure? No, I don't even know why I said that. It just came out of my mouth. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm like, I'm assuming that's correct. But like, I just oh, yeah. said it and I don't know where it came from. Like, it's just one of those that's things. like the memory that I was telling you about earlier today where I saw the the old McDonald's mm-hmm. thing, which was the two-parter, yeah. the, the hot side hot and the cold side cold thing. Cold. And then I had yeah. that memory of my grandfather just pop into my head out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but but there's a lot of work that needs. So it's, oh. it's the same thing. We both had the same thing, but mine was just a word, and yours is a was whole visual. memory. Well, it was it was a whole memory played out. It wasn't even that it was visual. It was just it it unlocked something that was so far back in the jumble of stuff that it yeah. all just kind of poured out, um, kind of thing. Yeah, and totally. I think it's I think it was because it was a visual of a food item or, or, or a mm. container for a food item. Yeah, so triggered a different that tied in smell and taste and touch and you know and it all yeah. just kind of rolled out um makes sense. but that also brings me back to school we're not teaching that way we're teaching Mm-mm. one way read this thing regurgitate this stuff take this exam which is written by northeasterners who know what a mitten is who and you if you ask the average texan what a mitten is they'll go what the hell is a mitten i've never seen one Right, yeah. and that's standard. We could we could do a whole episode on standardized testing and how it is a, an abomination that needs to be burnt to the ground and destroyed. Um, not to give you my opinion on that in any way, shape, or form. Um, mm. But when you standardize anything like that, you're going to bring out the mediocrity in in society. Um, you don't find out if someone's smart by giving them a standardized test uh, because intelligence is so much more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, and I think we've gotten away from a lot of that. We've yeah. and, and here's what I mean by that. When my grandfather taught shop, he had a book and he had a lesson plan, but he could adapt his stuff for his kids. He had the freedom right. to change his curriculum on the fly. There were some core basics. There were there were objectives. So I'm going to talk a little bit about like work stuff here. There were objectives that needed to be reached. And he made sure he reached those objectives. But he got to those objectives however he felt he needed to for those students, right? We are not doing that. Most lesson you plans have to, are you have so to be, formulaic. But you have to be willing to trust the teacher to make appropriate changes, though. 
because, and I don't want to go too far into this, but there is a whole group of people that you see on, you know, on the internet who are teachers who are pushing different agendas and I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, but so there is a piece of like, so that's not the worst part of of that coin. There is, that's not the worst part of it. The worst part of it is these teachers are taught primarily in the education system, teaching theory and babysitting theory. They are not taught their subject matter, by and large. If you're going to be a math teacher, you don't get a major in mathematics and then learn to teach somewhat. And I'm gonna. I, I think my ex-wife was a really good teacher, well, and I'll I, give you a reason why. I can here's, here's why. Hold on. Since, since give me, mine give me just, just a did this. So let me let me just finish okay. what what I'm getting to by this. So, the way my ex-wife went about it was, she went to college and she didn't plan to be a teacher, and she wasn't a teacher for the first several years we were married. But she went and got a dual degree. She got a business degree, which she never really used, which is fine. But then she got a Spanish degree. She, she got two full majors, right? And I mean, like, she took every level of Spanish that they had, and then she did a semester in Costa Rica, taking every class in Spanish. She was massively fluent. She knew about the culture. She studied the cultures. She studied the language. She loved the language. Then she went and got her master's degree in education. And here's what's funny. The master's edu- degree was a 18-month program that taught all of the teaching stuff that they teach in undergrad without all the undergrad BS that fills up the, the other two and a half years. Yeah. But then they stamped masters on it, and that's how she got her teacher certification. Yeah. So if, if it's only a year and a half to get the thing you need to teach, why aren't you spending the rest of the college degree becoming a master – of the subject matter that you're supposed well, to be de- teaching. So the the problem is is that some teachers teach every subject matter, and that when you're is talking a problem about too. first, second, third, yeah, fourth but grade. That's, that stuff's so much more general, though. Uh, I know, but and then, I don't. But I don't mean you... that in an insulting way. But teaching ABCs and basic reading and basic mathematics and that stuff. I understand that teaching degree. I understand the elementary teaching degree. That makes sense to me. Okay? Yeah. Which is what your wife does, right? She's the, the, the right. basic one. So I understand an elementary teaching degree. It's when we move into the single subject matter teachers right. that I have issues. And the problem that you run into that is that they don't hire a history teacher. They hire... A, coach. A, a lot of schools just hire a new teacher. Well, you know, so it's we have an opening for a history teacher, but they don't require you to have anything for it. It's just so th- that hasn't then, been and, my experience. Hang on, let me let me let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. Hang on, and so or and then they just they they can move people around. So you know, I had I had a math teacher one year that was my history teacher the next year. Like you, you know, and, and, and I don't. And so and, yeah, and that's the problem. I think that is a massive problem. Right. Um, and, and here's the other thing that I think is a massive problem. There are also certain subjects that most teachers don't even bother with that I think are really important, like history, because usually history is the coach's spot, at least in Texas. Yeah. They give them health, 
or history. You know, a, very rarely will you see a coach, it happens, uh, teach physics. I, now, I did have one. He was our tennis coach. I had one, too. <laughs> yeah, he was our tennis coach. But our tennis team was like 12 people total, you know, boys and girls. So it wasn't a huge aspect. Uh, the point I'm getting to is I, I feel like the education would be better if, at least in higher levels, the teacher had more experience with the actual skill set they're teaching and didn't I move mean, around. Obviously, that would always be be better than, than and not. that's part but, of I mean, how it, they used to do it. They used well, to hire a I mean, physics teacher or at least a science teacher that was competent in, yeah. in, in physics. And I, got, I guess I got lucky because the school I went to, the high school I went to, my chemistry teacher had a master's in chemistry. So she could have been a chemist, but she decided to teach. Um, the English teachers were dedicated English teachers, right? It, it, there, there were a lot of people who they and didn't get move. that in private schools. It's just not, it's not happening in the public schools. And then, and then, and we sort of, we, you get to that point when you start looking at things like, Different socioeconomic groups have better schools than other ones. And, and I also and, went to a bigger, you know, wealthier school district. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, they so didn't have to move people around to, to cover that. Yeah. Um, but this is this is massive. This is a yeah, massive there's thing. There's so much we could dig into in this. And, and I think the big piece that we're getting at is that there's definitely something wrong. Yes, it's not there's working. Something, Something is happening and, and it's, you know, and, and we need to get, we'll do a whole other one on this, but like social media is breaking school, like just in general. Like, social media is breaking school. Um, pay rates are breaking school. I mean, let's just talk, let's just mention this. The Austin Independent School District is thinking about making, building low income housing for teachers to live in yeah. to try and get them to come to work there. Think yeah. about that. They're talking about building an entire low-income housing project just for their low-income teachers because they can't get people because Austin is so expensive to live in now. Yeah. And th that just tells you the whole system's broken. We don't respect teachers as a nation in any way, shape, or form. We don't anymore. I mean, no, something we don't anymore. happened. Something happened. I, cause I remember when it happened. I remember when my that that in you know at the end of the nineties, mm -hmm. I remember started hearing my mom talking about things where it was the, just the, like the parents attacking the parents teacher having unrealistic expectations yeah. and and there's a million stories online about I you didn't know, parents catch that. getting it, but like, I because yeah. I graduated in ninety six, and if you got bad grades. They might go, well, why is he performing poorly? Yeah. And then the teacher would say something, and the parent would go, well, you need to perform better. Right. But then it, that by, the, still... by, by, the, by the early aughts, that had flipped like 180 degrees. So, and um... so now – and so what happened was what – I, what I feel like happened was you had a lot of teachers who got into the point of going like, I'm tired of this not – of like I do everything I can, and it's still my fault. Like yes. or whatever, you know, and I think little lost little Jimmy people. hasn't done an assignment all year. Plays on his phone, um, and then won't do what I ask him to do. Won't do what I ask, and if I class, try to take the phone every... away, flips a desk over, 
and you want to know why he's got a and you want to know why he's got a 50 because I can't give him a zero. Yeah. And now I'm in the principal's office with the parents and yelling at me, trying to defend the decision that I've made. And the principal's looking at me like it's this is my fault. And it's yeah. Why and, did and you put like, this well, on fine. my plate? I'm just, yeah. I'm just not going to do this anymore. And I don't know if that that happened to everybody, but I feel like it's happening a that, lot. That's happened. You it, know, it's, and we, so we should be able to say that it's happening a lot to a lot of teachers. And this is a huge part, not just the pay. But this utter disrespect is why we're having a teacher shortage. Yeah. Well, and then and then you have to wonder if you're going to go into a classroom and you're going to be treated that way, why – what's – you know, and then you have to wonder what – are you here because you're – all you want to do is teach or are you here because you have another agenda? Uh, or – yeah, or there were a lot of people who were told and, – and they, they bought this hook, line, and seeker – sinker go into teaching it's easy you get three months off a year and my Mm -hmm. god that's a lie how many unpaid days did your wife have to do and my wife have to do to go to conferences and schools and certifications and whatever it was like a third of the summer so a third of their break was free labor getting recertified yeah yeah you know well and um, they have to yeah and and coming in on other days and working in the classroom and they don't give them time to get the classroom ready not no, to the don't. expectation that they have they don't give them 5 days to get ready they give them and 4 then, hours and then dude, expect them to come in on the weekend where are the and do thousands it. of dollars a year i spent out of my pocket from my salary paying for school supplies for my ex-wife's classroom yeah right because the school didn't have it, and yeah. we're not talking about poor school districts either. We were talking about some of the wealthiest school districts in Texas, right? But, no, I had to go buy a new computer for her because the one they had was 16 years old and took two and a half hours to boot. Yeah. You know, I had to go Let's buy pencils there. for her. We We take – we just we flip the entire budget. Let's give the military the education budget. Yeah. And let's give the yeah. educations the military budget, and we'll Shit. see how that works. But see, I also don't think that money fixes everything because no, we've seen some of these budgets, and then we see, and we haven't even gotten to this. Look at the administration that's so top heavy that yeah, you know, a hundred administrators make as much as you know a thousand a, teachers, a thousand yeah. thousand teachers, right? Um, let's keep, let's cap those, let's cap those salaries. If your teacher's going to make 50 grand a year, then so does the superintendent. Yeah. You know, um, set a percentage. The superintendent can't make more than 10% more than the teacher, the teachers 20% do. more than the teacher or, set, set a number so that their salary is dependent upon is, is all starts with the base teacher salary is X. Everything is based percentage so off of that. that yeah. So the only way to give a raise to the top person is to give a raise to the bottom person. Or maybe that's you know, how it should all be structured. Maybe we should be doing these budgets, not based on school system. Maybe we should be doing these budgets based on the state. And that way, all the all the money goes to one central place and then is divvied out equally to all the schools, right? Instead of instead of each, because at least in Texas, I don't know how it works everywhere else. In Texas, each school district sets its own tax rate, and then you right. know taxes you based on that, and it and, and it can be really high with some of these bond packages and things that get done. There's there's so much here that we could get into. We've barely scratched we the surface. 
Um, we will, and and I do want to say we're going to talk to a lot of our teacher friends, um, and I wanted to let everybody know some of our teacher friends we have invited on, but they're they don't want to come on because they're afraid if they say their opinion, it could hurt their job. So we're going to do something different than what we've done before. We're going to tar start talking to some people on background, right? And uh, get, we're going to we're going to come up with questions. We're going to do the whole thing because if anyone ever wants to talk and have their opinion expressed, but they're afraid it could hurt their job, just let us know. We'll talk to you, and then we'll throw the opinions out like they're ours. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to take flack for somebody who needs an anonymous way to complain. Um, yeah, so just to throw that out there. And something else that we didn't do, um, please subscribe, please review and rate. Um, you know, we're not trying to make a fortune on the podcast, but we'd like to – try and get some better mics and stuff and we don't have the budget to do it from what we make because inflation is inflation uh, <laughs> and, but it yeah um, and please go comment we have a place for you all to comment at least on Spotify um, we've got the discord and all the other things will be linked in there uh, we have the YouTube channel if you want to go comment there tell us how crazy we sound or, or you know whatever if you agree disagree uh, let us know we'd love to hear from everybody yeah all right, everybody. We'll see you next time.